When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, welcome back to Vredo. Hello, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting for you. Where the kids are hurts and hurts and hits. Is that what you're going for? The do. Anyways, are you doing okay? I'm, I guess. Are you well? I am. Uh, you look well. I, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. <laughs> Uh, what is that matchbox 20 yes there we go <laughs> uh oh which you know i guess matchbox 20 i kind of lump in with like the goo goo dolls who are featured on the soundtrack yes of this of, of today's uh film but again we'll yes. get there the goo goo dolls <laughs> the goo goos um the goo goo and bataraos uh anyways Hi. How's your new year going so far? You know what? It's been fine. Um, I feel like there's momentum. I got momentum for things. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, well, we're, you know, wink, wink, three weeks in, four yeah. weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so much. So much. So much. Um, I just like, I, I just can't believe that 2021 was two years ago. It yeah. feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah, time is slippery. We were talking today, be, uh, um, yeah, because the Sam Squanch had a problem with the Jeep, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the, you know, the battery like was going dead or something. And I'm like, gosh, we just bought that car, and he goes, five years ago. I'm like, what? Five years already? I couldn't believe it. It's because of the like, pandemic. I feel like you've had that car for a lot longer than that well it's because we just upgrade so we've oh. had a jeep for all the years we've lived here but it's just you could well we had the um you probably don't even remember the bug we had a beetle the little um uh, which always made me laugh you know since the sam squanch is jewish so it's like jewish people driving german cars <laughs> you know from uh, sarah <laughs> Silverman's uh, Jesus is magic or whatever. Anyways, not the point. It was just always kind of funny. Jeffrey has a sick sense of humor, obviously. Um, I don't even know if he can fit in a car like that. Like, well, you're both tall. They're huge on the inside, like bizarrely, mm. because it's a dome. So it's like when you get oh. in, it's like there's a lot. It feels like I, I shouldn't say huge, but. I mean, I used to load it up with an amplifier, a couple of guitars, you know, clothing, bags, you know, um, guitar pedal. Like, I mean, I would like fill that up. When we moved out here, we moved out with two cats in the car, luggage, a blanket, computers, guitars, because I didn't want those shipped. I brought them in the car. So, yeah, it was it. Act, they fit a lot. They're roomier than they appear. They're, it's like a TARDIS. Oh. <laughs> yes. yes. Wait, I don't think you can say that anymore, Joshua. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> Be very careful. Um, <laughs> the but anyways, the point is, is that yeah, the time is just messes with me. So yeah, yeah. and again, because of the pandemic, because of lockdown, all of that time, it's just yeah, it's very twisty. So it is very hard to believe it's we're already. Almost a month into 2023. It's mm. crazy. Um, did you have any New Year's resolutions that you've already abandoned? Um, I've not abandoned them. <laughs> but I'm working on one right now. Ooh. You will be uh, pleasantly surprised, dare I say gay gasped, to hear that... Um, oh, let me finish drinking my water so i don't <laughs> choke to death on whatever you're going to say um i have a resolution to read 12 books oh and more than picture books <laughs> um i i want to read novels again like i already read green eggs and ham <laughs> hop on pop <laughs> oh we do enjoy a hop on pop we do um <laughs> what Novels. What are we talking about? Novels. That has to do with today's film. Yes. So, okay. Pop, pop on pop. pop. <laughs> pop on pop Kruger. Um, 
Anyways, novels. Uh, what's your January pick? Are you going to try to read one a month, or I want it to average out to one a month. Okay. So, but I'm not like limiting myself to. I need to feed. I need to read this okay. this month. Okay. So, it gives me some time to like you know maybe choose a smaller novel. Maybe okay. choose. Oh, all right, already yeah. a novella. Yes, a novella. Um, Here's one. It's three pages long. Yes. <laughs> Here's a book of poetry. Poetry. Well, that's not a novel, though. It has to be a novel. So, a work of fiction. Um, So, I am reading, I'm currently reading, um, probably will still be reading it by the time this comes out. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Okay. Which is a uh, gay romance novel. Um, It's actually going to be a a movie coming up. I don't know where, but it's going to be a movie coming out soon with um, Uma Thurman. (laughs) Uma oh. Thurman in it, um, and so the premise of the of the book is the um, son, the oldest son of the president of the United States, played by Uma Thurman in the movie, uh, soon to be played uh, by her, is um, has like a uh, has like a rivalry with the Prince of Wales, so the first son of the Queen of England. Okay, and. Uh, at a wedding, at the at a at a royal wedding, um, they uh, get into a row. I think that's how they the kids say it. The literary uh-huh. the literarians say it. They get into a row that causes like a bunch of bad press and everything. And so the solution that their two governments come up with is that they need to basically manufacture a friendship for the for the paparazzi for the public. So that way it takes the steam off of their. Um, the heat off of their uh, bad behavior. Ah. But apparently uh, they have a lot more in common and they learn to love each other. Ah, yes. Lovely. I'm not anywhere near that right now as of reading it. So I don't shocking. I don't read romance books really. Not those kinds of like, you know, no, you read the Hellbound Heart. Right, exactly. I, I read a little darker romances, I guess. Um, Which that's also on my list. Good. So there's like novels that I have that I'm not. But you have my copy, no? Exactly. That's it's on my it's on my list. That's why it's on my list. <laughs> if I have your copy, yeah. um, well, it's only 200 pages. You can just breeze through. Them. Well, I've been fun. trying to do this. I started like end of uh, end of December last month, but I I started to. There have been people who've given me things to like. You should read this book. You should watch this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just kind of started doing that, like to just get so I can get rid of them, <laughs> rid of them, and give them back yeah like i gave you back your suicide squad when you when you came uh for christmas i remember that um i just finished i finished watching the hours for the first time for the first time i'd never seen the hours and the book right here and every time my um my friend eric uh sees me he's like have you watched the hours yet because i have his copy and he's like you need to watch the hours it's beautiful you'll love it and it was all right Oh, I didn't. Uh, I thought it was devastating. Um, it was kind of like it, it, it reminded me a lot of Call Me by Your Name. Oh, uh, but what I loved about the hours was the Philip Glass score. Like, yeah, that's a beautiful score. Uh, yeah, I, I read the book when it came out. I got it. I think in a like a queer book club thing I was part mm-hmm. of at the time that would like send uh, books and films actually mm-hmm. so you said you have the book up here yeah I have I can't find it I, I know it's up here somewhere because mm-hmm. I was rereading it um, oh I think it's up there Michael Cunningham's The Hours there we go you which just, ugh, I have a copy of it that has the movie cover which makes me so mad um, I hate those I, I don't try to buy them but again I, I think it came in mm-hmm. a uh, in a like a box sure. you know of uh stuff so it was like strand releasing you know you know those kinds of like the strand films oh yeah always yeah. like queer stuff it was like that so uh so i read it then and then i watched the movie yeah i think that must have been what it was it was like a re-release i don't remember anyways not the point read the book love the movie i i, I really enjoy yeah. it i think it's well told and just the the ideas behind it are interesting and i you know i love me some um virginia wolf yeah you're not afraid i'm not um and the resolution to read more novels kind of came out from a dinner that i had with a couple friends and they're very they're big reader well one of them's a big reader like he's actually organizing a 
um a like book festival in new york uh at the end uh, actually it's happening right now um, cool and but he reads he reads a lot and yeah. i was telling him like you know i really want to read more novels uh but i just need to find things that are just fun like you right. know i i can turn my mind off or get lost in a world a little bit yeah. and so he recommended uh red white and royal blue well i love that and i recommended in turn uh horror novels that i thought that they would like him and uh, his husband i dig that spread the horror yeah Joe. spread, spread the horror. Uh, yeah, I have, I mean, I've got a ton of horror, obviously, but I also have a lot of really great novels that I think it would be fun for you to read. So, you know, you well, can always ask me for recommendations. Well, I would, I would love so. some recommendations. Pull them off the shelf right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. I don't want to do that on here. You know? <laughs> Just suddenly reading all the books yeah. off, you know, of the four or five hundred that I have. Are you going to give me memoirs of a geisha? No. Okay. I would probably recommend that. <laughs> But, you know, there's some good books by Lydia Yuknovich, uh, Augustin Burroughs. I like, you know, some of his early books. Um, you know, there's lots of good stuff in here. Anne Lamott. She writes lovely things. Is that the bird one? Well, bird by bird, but I wouldn't give you bird by bird. Okay. She has other books that are... That are well, I have I have bird by bird. Oh, good. So. Well, perfect. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I love that for you. I made a goal last year to read 30 books for fun because I don't count I try not to count my um your compulsory reading yeah because yeah. already I'm like the study abroad program I'm doing I have eight books to mm. read for that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. already so it's like oh my gosh so in like I, I could just finish my whole year if I just counted my school books but I try yeah. not to I try to read extra so I ended up reading 36 books last year for fun that's on top of the I don't even know how many I read for class and that's including your books for like book clubs and stuff yeah yeah okay. so I do count my resistance book club uh, books and I count like you know just the fun shit I read so but you know like the autobiography of Angela Davis and yeah. your fun books yeah Angela Davis's autobiography was awesome. Um, yeah, you know, and I read the biography of Anna Winter. I'm a very diverse person. It's just, it's, mm -hmm. you know, mostly the horror shows through. But she puts know. the verse in diverse. Right, right. I mean, you know, I read that Diana Vreeland's memoir and all kinds of weird stuff. I love to read. So, you know, I'll pretty much read anything, except I cannot get with like romance books a lot of times they just annoy me they're full of you know they're very formulaic yeah and the book club loves them like they were talking like it's so funny to sit and listen like when we were on the retreat and people were talking about the different books and they're like explaining the plots and i'm like this is the stupidest thing i've heard yeah but i just don't say it. i'm just keeping my, my myself part myself. of me is like you could also <laughs> watch this movie or watch porn like you could yeah you know yeah, so a lot of that's just like, ugh, whatever. But again, as long as people are reading, I'm happy. Because it's, you know, it's not... Reading as... is what? <laughs> Fun. <period>. Fun. Yes. <laughs> reading is what? Fun. Uh, yeah, so I'm working, I'm I'm trying to up it this year and try to read 40 extra books for fun. I don't know if I'm going to be able to accomplish that. Uh, just because of, you know, I mean, I'm going to start practicum soon. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm going to be like working, you know, and then I've got class. And again, it's a lot of reading, you know, so. Yeah, I just don't know. But I love that you're you're reading and that it just makes me happy. So I look forward to what, sh what you read and to hear you tell about it. We'll have to start like a Joe's Reading Corner once a month. Yeah. Know? Did you finish another book? We'll no. have to keep you. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll keep you honest. Keep you keep you to it. Yes, just, you're just holding me accountable. Just, yeah, yeah. Of course, we'll put this in the pre-production where it's like, did you read anything before I ask? Like, <laughs> what can we talk about? Can we talk about? Can we talk about how you read something? <laughs> Except you know, you. <laughs> I wish I could like think about what the best thing I read last year was because I did. I read a whole bunch of stuff. Um, gosh, even looking at the the list, it's. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> uh, the Sympathizer was really good by Viet Thanh Nguyen. Um, I enjoyed reading that. That was one of, that was a really good book from last year. Um, 
Angela Davis, we did, we read that. Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, that was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, Alice Hoffman released, you know, another um, Practical Magic book. How do you, like, find... How do you carve out the time to read? Like, do you have a place where you like to read? Do you, Like, what is your reading ritual? I read in the bath a lot because I have a... I, my iPad has my Kindle app on it, so okay. e-book. So I read a lot in the bathtub. And I really try to make bathtub reading relaxing, fun reading. So I read, like... I've been reading those Thursday Murder Club books. It's like a series of, like... It's cozy mystery. So it's like... Mm-hmm a bunch of old people in a retirement home. So it's like eight Jessica Fletchers <laughs> working <laughs> together to solve ridiculous mm-hmm. convoluted murders. So I enjoy that. I read that kind of stuff. I, I, yeah, I try not to read school stuff cause I need to pay more attention yeah. a little bit. And I like to take notes and, and such. Um, so there's that. And then silent book club we have on every Sunday from 10 to 12. And so that gives me two hours. Well, usually about an hour and a half by the time we check in and, you know, get through talking about what we're reading. Sure. 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 Um, you know, so that gives me an hour and a half, definitely dedicated to reading each week. School reading happens throughout the week. So that's all plotted out of like, I look at what I have to read and go, okay, I'm going to read this, this, this. You sure. Know. Sure. Sure. Uh, but yeah, a, a lot of my reading happens in the bathtub or right here from where, where I'm sitting. Um, I want, In fact, I have these are all the books that I'm tr- I want to finish this year. This is that this shelf. Have you heard <laughs> of the Tito Rosie murders, murder mysteries? No. So uh, one of my friends, uh, in he lives in Georgia. Um, he recommended to me uh, this book series called the Tito. It's I don't know if it's specifically called that, but it's the Tito Rosie mysteries and they're like murder mystery novels, but like from, but also like with a Filipino American twist. So like the first, the first book is arsenic and adobo. <laughs> oh yes. I, um, the reading club, a bunch of people read like all those books. Okay, good. Cause it's okay. that. And then what there's, um, is there one about cookies or something? Uh, I don't. I don't. Maybe, know, but, but I know I what you're know. talking about because it was. Uh, yeah, they were all reading those books. There's a few of them, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've not read them, but maybe I should. Maybe I cannot promote Libby enough. So like Libby, the app. So if you're listening, this is not a paid promotion, but I wish it was. Uh, the Libby app allows you to like plug into like your local library and get eBooks and check them out without like necessarily having a library card. Mm. Uh, it kind of creates one for you and then you can borrow books and it's great. So I get on lists all the time. Like I just, you know, I was, tr- um, what I just read well for resistance. We read a really great, I- activism book by judy human i think you're thinking of uh blackmail and babinka <laughs> yeah yes something like that i knew there was a baby homicide and hollow hollow <laughs> yeah i love that that's delightful i really should read them because i like cozy mysteries yeah you know and i've been doing that deep and in, dive into like rewatching old episodes of murder she wrote and rosemary and time like yeah. i just love a you know a, 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 a have you read a like, mature woman solving uh, crimes number one ladies detective agency yes i did read a bunch of those books Cause I love Jill Scott and I love that they made the show and mm-hmm. I actually have it on DVD and then they only did one series, which was really sad because yeah. it's fun. But that, that we could get into a whole thing about those books. Cause I think they're written by a white guy. So it's a whole, yeah, there's a yeah. whole conversation about them. I enjoyed reading them, but this, like, again, that was like, we lived in the old house when I first read oh. those. So it was like 13 or 14 years ago. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. But I keep the one book I have. I, I have the original number one, uh, ladies detective agency, but I had, I had like eight of them or something. There was a whole bunch of those books. Yeah. Uh, but I picked it up in an airport and then found out that they'd made a series mm-hmm. of, of it. So I was very yeah. excited. I love, um, I used to read encyclopedia Brown Oh, yeah. when I was a kid. Um, so I always loved like mystery stuff and I specifically loved Encyclopedia Brown. I love that. Are we starting a book podcast? What's happening? Should we do that? Should we document Joe's books as a uh, once a month? We'll do a little. No. 
teaching Joe to read. Yes. <laughs> a new podcast. The reading. Geekscape. Yes. <laughs> the reading rainbow. Reading. Reading rainbow. Um, well, I love that. I love that you have uh, a New Year's resolution to read more. So I Do hope you have a New you... Year's resolution? I don't. Uh, I don't. Oh, you said them. besides reading 40 books. Yeah. I mean, I we always have a challenge for reading. Mm-hmm. So I do that on Goodreads or whatever. Um, not, oh, I say that like I've been doing it for years. The group does, and I'm mm-hmm. part of the group now. So yes, uh, I sign up for a challenge. Uh, there are other challenges. Group, People no. will do a thing where it's like in a year you have to read like 26 books, alpha, like alphabetic. You have to uh, fill a, a letter. Mm-hmm. You know, So the books have to start with the title of each letter in the alphabet or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to read all the books in this series or everything. So there's lots of different challenges that people come up with. Uh, but I just keep it simple and like, you know what? I'm just going to try to read 10 more books than I read last year for again, for fun, for leisure. Yeah. Not, not necessarily just for, for yeah. leisure and for pleasure. Yeah. And it's a tall order this year. Cause I mean, I, I do have to read a lot for school, um, a lot more than I normally would if I wasn't doing the mm-hmm. um, program that I'm doing. Yeah, for but sure. Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I typically don't make resolutions otherwise. Uh, yeah, I remember years ago when I was like a kid, like 12, 13, something around there when I read um, Calvin and Hobbes and there's like a, uh, which I have all those behind you. I love mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. There, There's like a strip or whatever where Calvin is like, you know, why should I change? Everybody else should change. I'm perfect. And yes. I'm just like, that's delightful. I'm going to remember that. So I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's great if people, you know, new year, new me, new leaf, new, that's wonderful and all, but it's, it's so basic. No, it's not even basic. It's just, it doesn't, it rarely sticks for people, you know? So, and I know I'm the kind of person that if I made some big pronouncement, I'm going to do something, I'm going to drop it probably, you know? So I just, I'd rather just keep on every day. You know, well, Joshua, you've you've lived for nearly two millennia, so I feel like you, <laughs> like I feel like just another year. Like, what are you resolving to do? Like, yeah, yeah. And again, sometimes you know, do we really need to be the best version of ourselves? Maybe sometimes you need to just be the worst version, the of worst yourself. version of yourself. <laughs> Maybe you just need to wrap up in a cocoon. And I feel like I'm in my villain era. Have I told you this? I love this. I feel like I'm in my, my villain era. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, I, I feel like, Villian. I feel like maybe I've, uh, um, I, I feel like, you know, since my breakup, right. I feel like this is my villain orange. With you story. Breakup? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like this is like my villain origin story and I'm uh, um, not in like any way like I, I don't know what I just feel like I'm in my villain era. Okay. I don't know what it means. Like, But like you, we love villains. So yeah, that's the other but thing. Are you like plotting to do something? I, I just don't understand. Um, I, let's it, not say anything on here because we don't need evidence in case you are plotting some kind of evil villainous plot. I just am very confused. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, speaking of villainous evil plots, um, <laughs> you have a new podcast that's had quite a few episodes drop by now. Yeah. Uh, called White People Problems, correct? And yes. is that white spelled out W H I T E or is it like Y T? <laughs> I think if I did, I think like if I did YT problems, white people would think I meant YouTube. Oh, you're probably right. Six um, F, right? 6F right. Six problem. people problems. Six F people problems. Um, if you know, you know. Hashtag yeah. if you know, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. So I have this new show on Geekscape called White People Problems, an OC recap podcast, um, an OC podcast. I think is what it says, but. Essentially, our dear friend and podfather, uh, Matt Kelly of Horror Movie Night, uh, has been wanting to watch The O.C. for a very long time. And so he um, wanted an excuse to watch it. And so, therefore, uh, I, am, <laughs> you, you know, I am his beard. Gotta make a podcast Gotta make a it. podcast about it. I love it so much. <laughs> um, so we've been recording for a while. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we should be on episode five or six. So okay. the first, we're going week to week of the first season um, right now. And so each getting, episode is an episode of the show? Yes. Okay. And getting Matt's reactions to things, especially because he's never seen an episode. And I know, and he knows big moments because of culture. A lot of... Um, a lot of 
there were some big things that happened in the series that like were defining moments of like early aughts culture. And so for me to know, having, knowing what's coming and knowing the arcs of all the different characters and stuff, it's just delightful to hear him, uh, you know, hear him like, you know, offer theories and, and things. I'm like, Oh, he hates this character now, but maybe he'll love them later. Maybe he I loves love this character one. now. Maybe he'll hate it later. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And it puts you in kind of in my seat. Yeah. It puts like, me you know exactly what's coming. And we, we also talk about like, we talk about the music on the show because one of the most iconic things about the OC was how, um, music was incorporated into the show. And we also talk about like pop culture things that we're obsessed with. Um, at the moment as well. Very um, cool. And where the where my kind of love from the OC comes from is that when um, I watched the OC up until maybe season three live on uh, Fox, and then it wouldn't be till college when I was gifted by a friend uh, like all the all the whole series on DVD that the OC would become the first show that i binged watch intentionally like you know back to back to back and the reason why is because i had my heart broken by um by a man and i decided to like i just put on the oc one day from the beginning and like as i was working i was kind of working my own feelings out uh use and like you know it paled in comparison to the like the problems of these like white people were having and so by the end of the series, by the time I finished, I feel like I was like in a place where I was a little more healed. Um, not saying that, wow. like, not saying that I like learned anything from the show itself, but cause the show also has, but it gave you a distraction and a place exactly. to like work out. Yeah, exactly. No, there's value. There's psychological value to that for sure. And then I watched it again in 2020. So that was back in 2011 that that happened. Um, and then I watched it again in 2020, um, all the way through from the beginning. And I realized also how much I had changed, like the, how much the show doesn't hold up in very, in very specific ways and how much I had changed. And now I'm like characters that I didn't like. I love characters that I had crushes on. I no longer do and have crushes on other characters. Like it's very interesting to see like how you change when you, when you rewatch a show that was so important to you at a very specific time in your life. Um, and so chronicling that and going through this breakup right now, it kind of, uh, it was time again to break out the OC. So possibly in a couple years when we're done with this series, uh, when we're done with the series in a couple years, we will, uh, maybe I will be fully healed, but we'll see. All right. Well, I love it. I think it's super fun that you're doing that. And again, kind of putting you in that position where it's something you've watched and kind of know about and kind of taking somebody else on the journey. Uh, yeah. I just, I love that. I think that it's super fun. And so. so far it has not conflicted with fright school time. No, that's true. That's right. <laughs> I know how to handle my extracurriculars. <laughs> no, I figure it all works out. So, but all right. Well, I just wanted to take a moment to, cause we hadn't really talked about it much on the show. And I think it's, you know, we gotta, we gotta promote you, yes. Joe. Yes. Get out there. <laughs> fly, 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 little starling. Little starling, fly. All right. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and be back with Freddy's dead. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi. No, that's the beginning of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you started off so weird, so right, thank you for true. redoing now it. We, now we've redone it. Uh, all right. We are continuing our little jaunt uh, into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise uh, with today, uh, with 1991's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, six film. Uh, which we're, uh, you'll notice if you've been listening to the episodes, <laughs> we're not doing all of them. We're just doing some of them because there's a lot in the you know in the franchise, and we're gonna come back. We're gonna loop back. There mm -hmm. are there are three more films to cover, and we will at a later date. How about that, Joe? 
That's what we're going to do. Sure. We're going to swing back and pick up a few others. Mostly because you need to see some other movies. Yeah. To get to the other. (laughs) It's a whole thing. People, you know, people will understand. Um, All right. Anyways. So. uh, What a watch. (laughs) It was fun to sit and watch this with you. Anyway. So we've got directed by Rachel. Uh. Talele, I guess, which she has worked on. This is very interesting. So I've got a few things I'm going to read while we, when when we get into the full conversation from Robert England's uh, memoir, Hollywood Monster, A Walk Down Elm Street with the Man of Your Dreams. And he wrote, so this woman, uh, he says, Rachel Talele uh, had been with them since the beginning and clawed her way up the ladder without even having to wear a goddamn glove. I love that. That's <laughs> great. Uh, on the very first film, the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, she was an assistant production manager, uh, which he says is a fancy way of saying she did whatever needed to be done. Uh, and then she was a production manager on Nightmare 2. Uh, she was a line producer on Nightmare 3. Uh, a full producer on Nightmare 4. And... I guess she did. She must have done some co-producing or something on five because she produced Hairspray, John Waters' Hairspray, and Crybaby oh. while they were making the other uh, Nightmare film. And then, um, <laughs> which he says might explain why there's such a Waters vibe about Nightmare Six, but we'll chat more about that in a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so she came back to do Freddy's Dead. Uh, to direct it, we've got the written by. Well, screenplay by Michael DeLuke, uh, Rachel Talele had created the story. So she got the idea for the story, and there you go. There's the film. Um, yeah, it's a strange little journey with, um, you know, again, I, they, I think they really did envision that this was going to be the last movie, so they tried to pull out all the stops with, like, celebrity cameos and mm-hmm. jokes and things that kind of pulled in, you know, the whole series. There's a great, at the end of this film, when the credits run, there's a, a big montage of mm-hmm. scenes from, like, all the films up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, Joe, I don't know why I'm asking, but I will... <laughs> Let's hear your opinion, your thoughts. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> this man is dead. <laughs> sort of. Maybe. Question mark. Question mark. Yeah. Um, the end? <laughs> ah, God, it was so campy. It was like unre- unrecognizable from the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unrecognizable in many ways. In filmmaking style, it had that 90s sensibility about it. It was more closely related to Pumpkinhead <laughs> for me oh, than um, it felt like very Pumpkinheady, uh, if you can even call it that. Um, but like it was just weird and wacky, and you know, it was fine. I will not watch this again. <laughs> um, Mainly because, like, it's a lie. He's not dead. This is a lie. They're lying to you. Um, he's coming back. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I-, I thought that was interesting. I also think it's interesting how, like, I haven't watched 4 and 5, and I don't think I missed out. <laughs> no, you, yeah, they're their own kind of story together. Uh, I don't think there's really much... That's why it's like I felt okay skipping those for now. I do want to come back and pick them up because there's stuff to watch and you know, just to kind of so you mm-hmm. complete the series, which I think is yeah. You ha- if we had to sit through it, you have to. Okay, that's <laughs> part of the fright school thing. So sometimes we just have to watch stuff and get through it. Okay. <laughs> um. And again, there. I mean, it's if anything, a lot of these movies, it's really about kind of the dream sequences and the weird stuff they come up with, and there's some cool. stuff sequences throughout the series sure um you know and this kind of has its own some some cool stuff in it that i do like um but overall yeah it's not the best it's not the best in the in the film although it did well it made more money than the previous uh film when it came out uh so you know i i don't know what that says but it did it did okay and you know how i feel about like movies where 
dream sequences are happening, right? Like, even though it's very intentional in a Freddy movie because he is literally killing people in their dreams, right? It's still like it. It, it just like I. It was a little bit of a slog at some points. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I think my favorite was just the ending with the with our 3d glasses yes because i have the first i think it's the original the first time they re-released the whole series on dvd and they included the 3d sequence in this along with some 3d glasses uh which was really fun to watch again because i haven't since i got i got that i think i bought that in my first apartment too i can't remember exactly when it came out but somewhere around there i i bought that when it was when it came out but Mm -hmm. anyways it's um it was fun, just that too. That's another reason is I wanted us to watch this because it has this, um, you know, what yeah. do you call that? Uh, interactive feature. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Freddy in this one, like, it's so funny because, like, the Freddy that I like is the Freddy from this series. <laughs> like, he's the perfect amount of campy and menacing, and I think that this is them doing that like it's camping and menacing it's more on the campy side of it by the end of it but like i think if i had to like go in order of like the types of freddies that i like i probably do this as a close second to freddy from uh the nightmare series yeah i and i i think you're right about that because i think he was making that around this same time yeah you know at the end the late 80s early 90s yeah somewhere around there i i didn't really watch all of those series. I'd like to now that it's it's available for streaming. So I would like to go back and watch. I've seen like the first season, you know, in like sporadic episodes of it, but I, you know, I don't know enough to say for sure like exactly what years it was running. But I think that was part of his concern too. I think he was kind of over it as well by mm-hmm. that point. So it's like let's just kill him so I can move on with my life, that kind of thing. So, um so the film is set, it says that it's like 10 years into the future from where wherever you're watching it, I guess. It's kind of, you know, one of those weird things where it's like, you know what it says, like present day for something, but you watch a film from 30 years ago that's present day. What does yeah. that mean? Um, so it kind of starts with this idea that Freddy, I guess, is like geo-bound. He can't leave, even though he can like haunt your dreams, but I guess not if you're outside Springwood. Uh, Ohio, which again, this only further proves what a nightmarish place Ohio <laughs> is. Uh, again, it's just that's the best thing about. Are you the progeny of Freddy Krueger? Is that why you Maybe. live here? Yes, that's why I will never return. Um, <laughs> no, it's not true. I go back, but you know what I'm saying. I don't want to. I'm trying to give in. You have to. Everybody I love, I'm trying to get to move out of Ohio, move somewhere else. Um, but it's hard convincing them. Um kind of amazes me how Scott from Horror Movie Night can take it because it's just like, ugh. Anyways. Um, all the children are dead, basically. Uh, Freddy's killed them all. Uh, people have left. You know, the adults are left. They're childless. They're losing their minds, apparently. Yeah. You know, they're, what's it say in the beginning? Like They have a group psychosis. Group psychosis. <laughs> and so we have John Doe, who is the... Kind of the main character, again, there's a lot, it's like, it's almost the false protagonist thing where you think mm-hmm. you're following him, but then it's really the other woman's story, um, Maggie's story, Lisa Zane's character. Um, so we think we're following John Doe, who may or may not be the child of Freddy Krueger. He, like, meets up with this, you know, scrappy group of, you know, juvenile delinquents who are trying to break out of their... I guess it's like a halfway house kind of situation or a, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oops. What is that? It's a uh, shelter, I guess. Well, they say shelter, but it feels like it's more of like a residential center for troubled youth. Sure. I can't remember. The van says something recovery, something. Anyways, the point is they all kind of get together and go over to Elmwood, you know, street, Elm street. What am I saying? Jesus. I'm like losing my brain. Springwood, uh, Springwood. Elm street. <laughs> yeah. It's cause I grew up when I was a kid, I lived in Elmwood place. So that just came into my brain for some reason. See Ohio. I, you mentioned it. I'm starting to be infiltrated with Uh-oh. memories, horrible memories. 
Uh, anyways, they all go to try to like figure because John Doe, this kid, is woken up. He's uh, has amnesia and can't kind of remember what's going on. So Maggie's like, "I'm gonna help you, and we're gonna go over there, and because you have this article that may explain." And so they go to, to um, Springwood uh, in the in the shelter van with these kids who are all hiding in it because they want to escape, and then hilarity literally ensues. <laughs> ensues, um, or at least you know. They attempt hilarity to ensue. Yeah. So I love this, um, again, from Robert England's book. Um, a nightmare file with a wicked sense of humor and a contemporary edge. Rachel pulled out all the stops. There's a cartoon sequence, a 3D sequence, a black and white sequence, Freddy goes skateboarding sequence, uh, putting Freddy in day-to-day situations, having him do the kinds of things that kids would do, uh, like playing uh, video games, was our way of commenting on how Freddy had infiltrated pop culture. Plus, we simply wanted to have some fun. Since day one, regardless of how hard everybody worked, we'd had a great time making the Nightmare films, and we were trying to get that sense of joy across to the audience. To be 100% honest, I'll admit that on Nightmare 6, we jumped the shark. Um, He says the comedy might have become a little too broad, the fantasy might have become a little too trippy, and the violence might have become a little too cartoonish. But in the grand scheme of things, we did pretty well, especially when you compare our series to other film franchises. Uh, He says Lethal Weapon, in his opinion, jumped the shark the fourth time out. The Godfather lost it on number three. And don't even get me started about The Phantom Menace. (laughs) Ooh, she's reading. You're read for filth. She came for them. She came. Uh, But he said, apparently the Freddy Freaks forgave us for the shark jumping. Nightmare 6 grossed over $35 million, almost $10 million more than Nightmare 5. And what with the good box office and the good reviews, we all felt it was safe to... I don't know what good reviews he's talking about, but anyways, it's his book. So I guess he can say (laughs) what he wants. Sure. Uh, We all felt it was safe to have Freddy call it a night. There we go. It was like until saying, <laughs> it was like saying goodbye to an old friend, a beat to shit, smelly, fashion challenged, flesh flesh oozing, KY jelly covered old friend, but an old friend nonetheless. I toasted Wes Craven and New Line Cinema and went about preparing for my post nightmare life. Step one, get a facial. <laughs> so I do get that. So I remember when I was growing up, it was really hard to like avoid Freddy Krueger. I mean, he was everywhere. He, mm-hmm. Very much so like this pop culture phenomenon. There were dolls. There were, um, you know, toys. And I think there's like mentioned like there's yo-yos and just anything they could slap Freddy on. Like sure. he was on. He had like a kind of like a, I think it was like a 900 number sort of thing you could call, you know, you just say scary shit on it or whatever. Oh, he was. Yeah, the like... TV show. There were books. There was a whole book series of like Freddy's nightmares. Um, yeah, he was just everywhere. So I do get that sense of like making a comment. Again, I think this is early, and we'll get to this in the in next week's episode when we watch a new nightmare. So it's like I th- I feel like those kind of meta conversations start here, get better with a new nightmare, and then are kind of fully realized with Scream. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, we'll, we'll chat about that as we kind of progress here, um, with a new nightmare. I'll, I'll I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that when we get there. Um, but it's like, I think those ideas kind of percolate here a little bit. Sure. Um, I, I do, I, I understand what he means when he says that. Uh, but yeah, I I have to agree. It's just... I enjoy watching this movie because it's super campy. Uh, you know, we got Roseanne Barr and Tom, Tom Arnold, Arnold pop up. Yeah. This is childless couple. Roseanne is like delightfully unhinged. I just love like children. <laughs> She's basically herself. They're, right. they're themselves. They're themselves. Uh, Alice Cooper, you know, as uh, young Froderick Kruger's father, beating him with the belt, g- g- teaching him, you know, early masochistic. Kruger senior. <laughs> Right, Kroger Senior. We've got uh, credited is what was it? Uh, Oprah Noodle Mantra. (laughs) Yeah, Oprah uh, Noodle Mantra is uh, Johnny Johnny Depp Depp doing his famous, um, you know, this your brain on drugs stuff or whatever. Did did, was that an actual thing that he did, or did somebody else do? I don't know if he did it, but he was on Twenty One Jump Street, and there was a big Uh, drug thing there that makes sense i remember somebody doing those kinds of commercials where it's like this is your brain this is your brain on drugs mm-hmm. uh and now i have maya rudolph in my head as whitney houston doing the 
thing with her head. <laughs> this is your brain on drugs. <laughs> Cocaine brownies. Delightful. Anyways, <laughs> rest in peace, of course. Um, Whitney Houston, I mean. <laughs> uh, who else? I think that's pretty much, yeah, that's the... I think that's most of the cameos that are in this. Um, so it adds kind of like this yeah, fun, campy element. I, I, I always like seeing those people pop up. I like when they get kind of lost and they're like trapped in the town going in mm-hmm, circles. Mm-hmm. You know, these sorts of ideas that we yeah show up in lots of horror movies. I think about like Blair Witch and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so there's stuff I like about it. But overall, it's it's a t- it's like what? is happening. <laughs> like there are times <laughs> in the movie where I'm just like, wait, what's the story again? <laughs> like who's doing what? And then of course the big twist is like, it's actually Maggie the whole time. That's like the daughter of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to like go into the dream sleep demon, you know, underworld to like battle him. <laughs> it's just... that she could only get there with like her glasses, her, <laughs> 3D, 3D like, use these and it's like foldable 3D glasses which that point I was done yeah. I was out I'm like no <laughs> I cannot no <laughs> this yeah. technology will get you there no thank you it's so so powerful Joe the journey that you can take with 3D glasses you didn't even know you didn't even know Um, <laughs> I will say this so, mm-hmm. what I think is kind of a cool thing about the film, and that I do think makes kind of a comment on and this is, um, I don't know if it's like necessarily because like a woman came up with the story and like and directed the film to kind of have this conversation, but there's like this, there is an interesting conversation about like being a victim of child abuse Uh and like surviving it and kind of making a mockery of your, of the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. So in this film, and this is something I read that I, I kind of liked uh, from den of geek. So the real key to decoding Freddie's dead's mixed messages is embedded deep within its emotional mission statement, empowering, empowering those who have survived child abuse, neutering Freddy Krueger by giving him a past, exploring his psyche, humanizing him, making him slightly empathetic mm-hmm. and turning him into a horse's ass. <laughs> I love that was the final nail hammered triumphantly into the coffin. Uh, Freddie's dead. Wasn't about scaring people. It was about providing closure it was the ultimate demystification of an icon that became so popular because he symbolized deep personal traumas that countless people are afraid to speak of taking his power away and turning him into the devil's two-bit jester was an act of catharsis felt by those who needed it most Hmm. um we you know that's the film's greatest victory um that's a very lofty statement i mean i'm not sure about (laughs) that in totality yeah but when we were talking at the beginning of this series when we talked about um the new uh nightmare on Elm street the remake yeah and how it kind of really went there with the child you know the child killer mol- molestation you know pedophilia like it really kind of brought those yeah, themes yeah, yeah. out more mm-hmm. explicitly even though i do think that people watching these films and when we talk about horror being like a safe space to like process certain types of anxieties I think if you're watching these movies, you can, there is that coding of him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as being this kind of, you know, child abuser, regardless sure. yeah. of in what way, you know, he, you know, regardless yeah. of what that means, it's there, this mm-hmm. sort of adult figure who is, you know, terrorizing a child, you know, a t- yeah. whether they're a teenager or like, or a child child. So those themes have kind of always been there in the films. And so with this one, you kind of have, you have Maggie's character who's revealed to be his daughter. It's clear that, you know, he was abusing her in some sort of way. You have, um, shit, the, she looks like Jodie Foster. Um, the blonde uh, girl. Yeah. Um, someone's yelling at us right now. Tracy. Yes. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Tracy. Um, there we go. Played by Leslie Dean. Uh, you, you have her kind of story that you sort of know when very early in the film, it's like, she doesn't like people touching her. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she makes a comment about 
you know, dads or something. And you're just kind of like, Oh yeah, I kind of, I know what's going on with yeah. her. And then they kind of reveal it a little bit more explicitly in her like nightmare sequence with her, I guess it's like a stepfather or some male yeah. figure in her house. Um, you know, so it just kind of brings some of those things to fruition. You have, um, um, Carlos. Yeah. Carlos's character also is abused by his mother. That's why he's deaf. Yeah. Uh, he makes a comment about that, about being, um, you know, hurt. And that's why, you know, yeah. he can't hear. And then like Spencer's dad's kind of overbearing. So you kind of have all these conversations about, yeah, the, the violence perpetrated by adults and by family members on, you know, their, on their children. And so in the end, I, I get that notion that Freddie's sort of neutered is an interesting word to put it, to, to make of it, but it is, he is sort of sent up like it's very yeah he's so ridiculous he's kind of all the all the scariness of him is like gone yeah in this movie and certainly by the end it's just so ludicrous but there is kind of that feeling of yeah if i was watching it as somebody who was processing that kind of trauma there there might be a little space Mm -hmm. to just be like yeah fuck that guy you know get him you know um and to have that kind of that healing journey and this conversation stretching across, you know, sure. the, you know, the few years that these movies were coming out um, to kind of have it in that way. I, I could see that comment and I can appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> you're like, whatever. I don't agree. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's not that I don't agree. It's just that you're, know, it's, you're speaking as if, and as it, I say as if knowing it's true, like you're speaking as like you have this, you have a history with Freddy Krueger. You have a reverence for him. I don't have it in that way. I think that the, what the series does or what this film, um, uh, Freddy's dead does really well with the parents is that like, um, there's no longer that benign neglect, right? Like it's actual like abuse and neglect for the kids that, um, that a little we more see. obvious, from, yeah, yeah, much more obvious. Yeah. Um, which I think is a is a little bit of a twist, and I, I, um, it's difficult to say that I like that, but it was it's it's one of the things that I thought was interesting about it is that like we get the actual the shitting the reason why the the underlying trauma of the horror right is the them the the their true nightmare is their own parents right like you know a, a monster like Freddy has like nothing on their parents yeah whereas in the original movie the parents are neglectful maybe benign you know they're just not mm-hmm. around um, but it's not as if they're being abused or hurt by their parents, yeah. the, or at least not explicitly. You know, it's it's not there. You know, in the film. Um, so, Freddy is as a as something that's harming them and taking them from their parents. It's the worst thing. But yeah. for these kids who've gone through such horror and through such trauma, and then on top of that being re-traumatized by the system that they're now in yeah being brutalized by you know corruption and yeah the the juvenile justice system which we know even more so now yeah the the horrors of that it's really hard to see freddie to take him seriously yeah <laughs> as as a as a villain when they're just like you know and then being Fuck dropped into like, dropped into a town of uh, like only adults, no children. Yeah, and to be have this like very strange welcome. Like it's it's welcoming in the sense that like they're glad that they're there, but it's also just it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, given yeah. the trauma that they've experienced with their own adult, the own their own adults. Right to have to be accosted by adults who miss having children and want to take care of them and come to our house and. You know, we'll take care of you. It, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little terrifying. And then, but then you have the opposite where there are some people, and I think Tom Arnold's character, but there's a few others that, when they're walking, they're like trying to shoo them out of town because yeah. it's like you're going to invite him. You know, he's going to come mm-hmm. back. So the adults are very invested in in the horror of of Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again makes sense. And and when we talk about like yeah, the monster is at home, but a lot of times it's this like ephemeral boogeyman out there who will get yes, you yes yeah when you're yeah least safe possibly in your own home in your own bed <laughs> 
So I, I mean, I in reading that, I, I thought that was interesting. I'd be curious to know the the person who wrote that article whether or not like they have experienced that specific trauma, and maybe that's mm-hmm. so for them. This is that kind of watch. It is a way to process, um, as we've talked about in the past, like anxiety and using horror to have a spa- safe space to experience a certain you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of anxiety. Uh, I just appreciated that read, which was something that I didn't really have before. I kind of mm-hmm. always thought of this as like, well, this is fun and silly, but you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna say it's like my favorite nightmare film. No, and- but adding that little bit of a layer, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I yeah. can, I can, I can vibe with that. Of like, yeah, child abuse victims, you know, kind of coming into their own power and you know, taking out this monster that represents so much of that kind of fear yeah i just i don't know i also it's like i just wish the overall film was stronger yeah well when we remake it (laughs) i did love how we're watching it we're both like wow freddie's a fucking ableist asshole that was great when you like yelled that out it's like ableism, ableism. Yeah, that poor Carlos getting his ear cut off and then getting you know, that. And again, that's kind of what I was talking about when we were watching Hellraiser and talking about Hellraiser, how mm-hmm. like his senses like cause like that's kind of what that sequence is like. Yeah, in the book. yeah. So I was insane. I'm like, yeah, that's I wanted. I wanted that in Hellraiser. So I like that sequence of like, yeah, what if like everything was like a deafening sound or every, if every like sense was alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sequence is interesting if it just wasn't for all like the deaf jokes and stuff, it's like, Oh man, yeah. Freddie, you're such a fucking asshole. It's like, just kill the guy. You don't need to make fun of him. Yeah. For me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. The horror morality is so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What other notes did we have? Uh, oh yeah. It's talking about the Goo Goo Dolls, which is so weird that they, because for me, the Goo Goo Dolls really came into being with, um, what was that? Uh, oh, shit. With Alanis Morissette, Uninvited. What's that? City of Angels. City of Angels. And I give up forever to touch you. Yeah, that right. One. That's their Iris or whatever song. Um, so it's kind of weird that I never really realized that was the Goo Goo Dolls until I looked that up today, that they're like the, you know. That was their hit. Yeah. Look at them getting on a... What a what a fabulous movie to get your like kind of big kickoff to your career, yeah. <laughs> like Dokken in uh, part three, and um, I think Drama Rama is either in four or five. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Who I've now seen several times because every time we go see Oingo Boingo, Missing Persons and Drama Rama open. But they're really good, actually. I'm really <laughs> impressed. I have to recommend go and see Drama Rama if you get a chance. Cause you are saying words at me, and I don't. Like, that's okay. Boingo, boingo, drama, rama. Like what? Missing persons. Missing you know, persons. Um, what's what are words for? No, no. Um, destination unknown. Walking in L.A. Uh, no. Okay, it's all right. It's the '80s. You weren't alive. Um, Yet. Well, no, you were born a few 89. years after. 89. Okay. Well, whatever. <sighs> uh, you know, again, I, I didn't have a whole ton of it. I, I just, I thought, you know, if we're going to hit kind of some beats in the, in the, in the series, we'd already watched the original. We'd sure. watched sure. Uh, part two. So we watched the original. We watched the gay one. We got the one where they have the magic dream powers. Then we skip to Freddy's apparently quote unquote dead. And then we're going to move on to a new nightmare. Love it. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Any last stray thoughts? Anything random that you. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that we're still going to go back and watch the other two, but <laughs> yeah, I might just make you watch them and pretend we're going to do episodes and then not do episodes. I hate that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare. Uh, yeah. Well, like there's some stuff in there. It's because it's also like there's some really good stuff from Horror Noir about the fourth movie, I think. Mm. Some good stuff in there. Um But we'll see. We'll see how we feel. Okay. Yeah. Cause I almost didn't do I almost was like, you know what, never mind, we're not gonna talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> but I made you watch it, and you're here, so we might as well talk about yeah. it. Um, but we gleaned the little morsel 
we're gleaning a morsel. We got that little morsel um, to 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 chew on and to think about when revisiting Freddie's dead, dear listener. Is it like a triumphant moment for for a child abuse victim in the film to to, to kill Freddie again? I don't. Yeah. know. <laughs> It's like we keep bringing him out. We like pull him out of the dream world, set him on fire. He dies. He goes right back to being dead in the dream world. No. It's like we're not learning. So now again, we've stabbed him with his own knives. Apparently, he's been abandoned by the demons who have kept him alive. Yeah. Now we got to see what happens next. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Uh, Joshua's laughing because he knows it's not fun. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think Wes Craven's A New Nightmare is going to be fun for you. I hope. I hope you like it. Maybe you won't. We'll see. Okay. We'll just have to see. Um, next year, we're going to watch all the Saw movies, I think. So if you thought this was torture, wait till we get this. <laughs> all right. Um, that's enough of this. So thank you, as always, dear listener. Thank you to our Patreon members who are, you know, Staying watching, with us. Staying with us, watching me be tortured by Joe's um, horrible picks of films. <laughs> uh, yeah, so join us and join our join our Patreon and watch that. Um, I don't know what the next film's gonna be, but we'll put it out soon. Be something. Yeah, it's it'll be it'll be something, I'm sure. Some of that'll make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside and then I'll keel over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's yeah. trying to kill me. Uh, All right, that's more than enough. Good night. (laughs) You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 